0: And welcome to Rehim Hooven. this is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me on JRootRadio.com. For those of you who are new listeners, here's what we do. We try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection you have with your spouse. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but you, we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation, I want to tell everybody something very, very important. This time, what we're going to be doing in this show, we're going to be using Tishbev. That's what we're going to be using Tishbev as our guide and source of navigation in our relationships. Those of you who are thinking Tishbev, what do you what do you mean? How are you going to connect t- Tishbev? The Churban Mezamidash, was destroyed. All the terrible things that happened. So we're going to use that as our guide and source of navigation for my marriage. Absolutely, one thousand, one million percent. Let's break it up, and let's understand what Tisha B'Av is really, really, really about. Okay, first of all, let's understand what exactly happened. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, what happened on Tisha B'Av? It all started with, with one episode, one very, very tragic episode. What happened was, on the ninth day of Av, the spies, the Meraglim, who were sent to spy out Eretz Israel. Not that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to send them out; they wanted to go. So finally, Moshe Rabbeinu asked the Kodesh and Moshe Rabbeinu finally gave in. You want to go? Go ahead. No problem. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Search out Eretz Israel. Go see what what you see. And they come back and they relate a negative report about the land of Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. And what happens is the Jewish people, instead of like questioning them. Criticizing them, attacking them, instead they're listening to them. They're absorbing all this information about Eretz Yisrael, and what the Jewish people sat and cried the whole night. So Hashem tells the Yed, and Hashem tells the Jewish people, Since you cry for nothing on this day, I'm gonna give you something to cry about for centuries, for centuries thereafter. That's where it all started. All started with the Meraglim. That's the beginning of it. And from there on on, Tisha B'av became this day of destruction, day of sadness, toxic, toxic day. Not just one, both base Hamikdash's, both, both temples were destroyed on Tishabav. Which, 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 this Hamikdash was our connection. That was our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu. You know, today, talk about the base Hamikdash. Those of you who ever went to Eretz Israel, you know, you've been in Eretz Israel. We visit the Western Wall, we visit the Kotel. And we go there, okay, and we sort of connect to the Kotel, but we really have no idea. We have no idea what, what Beis HaMikdash was. Yeah, you know, they said people would walk, you know, you, want, you need a spiritual uplift. People who would come to the Beis HaMikdash, they would be completely transposed to a different world. Like, you completely feel like there were Nisim gluyim in the Beis HaMikdash. There were open miracles in the Beis HaMikdash. You just go there, you're just like, wow, this place is unbelievable. And we don't, we don't know what it means. We don't know what it means to lose the Beis HaMikdash. That was our connection. That was like, you know, it's like you want to go from point A to point B. Those of us who have cars, right? So all of a sudden there's a car problem. We don't, our car doesn't work. We go, oh boy, actually, I personally actually have car problems right now, missing one car. And it's like, whoa, how am I going to get from point A to point B? So I take my wife's car. i to figure it out. What if you have no car so I can't get from point A to point B? Oh, we could. Theoretically, I could walk, but it's a different – I could take a bus. Well, maybe, maybe it depends where I'm going. I could, sometimes I can take the bus. Sometimes I can't take the bus. But a base hamikdash was that vehicle. That was that that car that takes us from point A to point B, from this physical world to the spiritual world, to 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 connect Hakadosh Hu. We we could still do it today, but it's not as easy. We don't have the base hamikdash. We can't just walk into the base and just completely be be flushed, be like drown in this beautiful beautiful inspiration. And, and 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 just connect to Khashbah we don't have that that was destroyed on Tishbeve not a mistake but on Tishbeve both base communities were destroyed on Tishbeve what else happened on Tishbeve on Tishbeve about 100,000 Yid and 100,000 Jews were slaughtered in the Bar Kokhba rebellion on Tishbeve was the day of the Spanish Inquisition in 1492. It all happened on Tishabov, not a mistake. What else happened on Tishabov? The inception of World War I. The inception of the First World War happened on Tishabov. Also, on the eve of Tishabov, of, Tisha of 1942, was the mass deportation of Jews from the Warsaw Ghetto that they were transported where? To the Treblinka concentration camp many if not most of them, to be killed. It's not a mistake that things happened on Tisha B'av. It all started where? It all started on that one day when the Meraglem came back, and instead of being down the cuffs, instead of seeing Eretz Israel in a good light, and even though indeed they saw things, they saw things that scared them, but what? Instead, they reported La'az, Lashon Hara, about the land of Israel. And really, and really, what it was is about a kodesh baruch Hu. It wasn't Eretz Yisrael, Yisrael, but Eretz Yisrael was a reflection of what Hashem promised the Jews that it's going to be very good. And they took them, they ripped at that. And for that reason, that reason, the calamity just kept on happening on that day. Okay, so it's going to come Tish above. Hashem, Tish is going to be uh, this this year. It's an It's pushed off. And I should mention to you somebody I was just talking to someone, some He was telling me, you know, mention to your audience it's a nitre, it's a nitre. So for those, you know, people who are not feeling well, people who, you know, ladies who are pregnant and nursing, etc. Were in the normal circumstances they would say, but I want to fast anyways. They should ask their rav, ask their posek whether they have to fast. And it's true, ask your, your rav and your posek whether you have to fast. And the question here is, is that the point? Is that the point of Tishabav just to fast? Okay, so Tishabav, here's what's going to happen, right? Shabbos, we're going to have, you know, everything's going to be, Baruch Hashem, it's we don't, right, we don't fast on Shabbat. And by the way, I just want to mention something very interesting, very, very interesting about Shabbos. Shabbos, by the way, is is like a little miniature Beit HaMikdash. It really is. You know, like we said, and those of us who keep Shabbos, we know good and well that Shabbos has like that. Wild, inspiring feeling Like we, we feel holy on Shabbos You know exactly what I'm talking about You don't have to like Even if you're not, let's say Learning the whole Teh Torah But you know what? You just you, If you keep Shabbos Shabbos keeps guard over you Shabbos is really If you take a look at the Melachos If you take a look at what you're not allowed to do on Shabbos Think about it What can't we do on Shabbos? We can't do the 39 melachot, 39 categories of labor Which were what? Labor that was used to build the Mishkan not kind of a mistake, like on Shabbos, okay, so let's, you know, maybe I shouldn't be able to jump up and down, no, I can't, maybe if I do it out a lot, maybe it's a labor, no, we have we have a set categories of, of malachot, 39, we have vote. we have toldot, it's not, it's very complicated, don't get me wrong, but it all stems from the what, from the 39 malachot of the mishkan, is that, a, like, what does the mishkan have to do with it? No, it's, it's direct correlation, Shabbat and mishkan and betta mikdash, it's all connected, that's, our, that's that's the, the connection between us and Akadosh Baruch Hu, Shabbos. That Shabbos is so pivotal. You know, say someone's a Shomer Shabbos. He watched the Shabbos. Well, what do we, why don't we say someone's a Shomer Kashris or someone's a Shomer Lashon Hara? Of course, these are all important things. But when we're keeping Shabbos, we're basically saying testimony that a Baruch Hu exists. He created the world in six days. He stopped creating on the seventh day, and I'm also stopping to create on the seventh day. What type of creation? The creation of the Mishkan. Because that's what Shabbos is. Shabbos is that direct connection. And we don't fast on Shabbat. We don't mourn on Shabbat. Even to Shabbat. Right? Kippur, exception. But there's one... Other than that, we do not, do not mourn, feel sad. Shabbos is that only thing that we have left that connects like a little Bet-Mikdash. And of course, of course, if we bring the Shalom Bayit on Shabbos and the rest of the week, we can have that Mikdash in our house the rest of the week as well. But it's pinnacle. The apex is on Shabbat. That's the connection. So what I'm saying, we're saying, all right, all right so this individual told me, said to me, I knows, mentioned to your, fine, so I mentioned to my audience that what? Got to ask those Shailahs. Got to find out. It's a Nitra. This week, this to Shabbat is a Nitra. Ask if you really have to fast. But again, is that what it's all about? Is about fasting? Fasting is a vehicle. Fasting is not... The purpose of Tisha B'Av. A lot of us feel like, oh, Tisha B'Av, I have to fast. Okay, I guess I have to fast. Okay, is it over yet? Is it over? Can I eat? I got four more hours, three hours and 45 minutes. You know, maybe I'll go to sleep. That's not the point of Tisha B'Av. It's not the point of Tisha B'Av. The point of Tisha B'Av is not to fast. That's part of Tisha B'Av. That connects us to the purpose of Tisha B'Av. So, what's Tisha B'Av all about? What's the purpose of Tisha B'Av? What's, what's the purpose? Just for me to be sad, to be upset? And of course, that's part of it. So you know what? Every year we'll just be upset, and be sad, and be upset, and be sad, and move on. And again, Tisha B'av, Yeah, we're sad, let's move on. We're commemorating, right? The secular world, sometimes they just commemorate the tragedy, which is important to commemorate, but is there? A, what's the point of commemoration? There's a fascinating Gemara, ladies and gentlemen, fascinating Gemara in Yerushalmi, Yuma. It says like this, the Gemara says, I think it's da'af aleph. It's interesting. Yushamis, by the way, they have da'af aleph. You know, in Bavli we have sarah the Beis, and Yushamis has aleph. The Gemara says, I'm in English. The Gemara says, Every generation that the Beis Mikdash is not rebuilt, it is as if that generation destroyed. It is, it is as if that generation, it was destroyed. Meaning, theoretically, ladies and gentlemen, if we would have a Bet HaMikdash today, Alive Bet HaMikdash, it would be destroyed in our days. Think about it. This is not just an ancient thing that happened 2,000 years ago. This is a living, existing situation of today. If the Bet HaMikdash was around, it would be destroyed. Wow. Wow, now that's that's heavy. That's powerful. Sort of like completely puts like Tisha B'Av in a whole different and a whole, whole different narrative. A whole the script, the script just changed as opposed to this historical Nebuchadnezzar story that happened to what's happening today. Today you destroyed. Wow, that's scary. The basement Sema would be destroyed today? Yes, it would be destroyed today. It's Gemara, Gemara and Yuma. So, so the point of Tisha B'Av is not just to commemorate. The point of Tisha B'Av is to figure out a way where we can get out of this situation. How do we fix this? What do I do? What can I do? What can we all do? To not have it destroyed in our in our generation, to have it rebuilt in our generation. What do we do? How do we fix this? How do we fix this? The only way to fix something is to figure out what broke. You want me to fix what? 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 Sara, Miriam, Shlomis. What? Something? What broke? Tell me what broke. What do you want me to fi- fix it? What do you want me to fix? I, I don't know. What? What do you want me to fix? Tell me what broke. I'll tell you what broke. The last bit of the Mikdash broke? Was, was, what broke was the beta HaMikdash, what broke the beta HaMikdash, what broke the beta HaMikdash was something called Sinat Chinam, Sinat Chinam means warrantless hatred, if you define that, it right, means, it means free hatred, free hatred, what do I mean free hatred, I mean, is there like free hatred and non-free hatred, okay, maybe, you know, there's a certain type of hatred that, you know, hatred is never good, but there's a certain type of, let's say, kinaut kanut, right? With Pinchas, when he saw they were doing a terrible thing, he got upset, and he killed them in front of everybody. He, it was, it was, like, a, it was like a hatred for these people. How could you do such a thing? After a who warns you and tells you, how could you do such a thing? That's kanois, that's different. That's not hatred. That's also has to be measured, because many times, if not most times when we do this, we really have to do the lishma. Like, we really have to think, am I doing it for the right reason? But what we're talking about, something else. We're talking about sinat chinam. What's Sinat Chinam? Sinat Chinam could be at different levels, ladies and gentlemen. It could be on a community level, on a family level, and at a spousal level. Let's start with a community level. What's, a, what's a Sinat Chinam on a community level? Sinat Chinam a community level means if you're in shul, okay, it's your shul, it's your Bet you're there every Shabbat, and you're, let's say, you're Chassidish, or you're Litvish, or you're Sephardi, or whatever denomination of, 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 of Yidden you are, And what happens is somebody walks into shul who doesn't exactly fit. Doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. Right? What do we do with this person? Do we stay away from this person? Do we ignore this person? Do we come over to this person? Ignoring the person, making the person feeling alienated, or having a person who's coming into the community for whatever reason it is, and maybe he really doesn't belong there. Maybe he really, truly does not belong there because he's not dressed right. Maybe he's just, he, he might be disturbing. He might be doing something that's not appropriate. And what we're doing is we're coming and either attacking, criticizing, or ignoring. Completely ignoring. And when someone comes in and we don't greet them, we don't come over them and make them feel as one because they're, they're going through a lot of anxiety. But instead, we're completely ignoring them. That's Sinat Chinam. Well, what do you mean? I have to come over to every person? No. But you don't understand what's happening is is that this person when he's coming to he or she is coming to a new environment new, this by the way is true if children are listening to this in camp, right? Let's say camp typical camp situation you and all your friends are in camp right now and you know you've, you've, you've had you've had your friends from last year and the year before and now there's this new kid on the block, right? And it's like eh, whatever we're going to ignore him we're going to ignore her that's Sinat Chinam Because this person is suffering. They're going through anxiety. They're they're being traumatized by the fact that they're in a new place. No one comes the way over them. They might have a self-esteem that's not not balanced. And just ignoring them. That in itself is... Why not? Why don't we come over? Why don't we introduce ourselves? That's on a community, community level. And this doesn't have to happen on what I'm not doing. It can also be on what I am doing. I'm criticizing the chazan. In shul. Because he's going too slow, like why don't you hurry up? Or he's going too fast, why don't you slow down? Or someone someone pulls out the someone's cell phone rings during the tefillah. It's a very bad thing. You shouldn't have your cell phone on during tefillah, and it starts ringing. So instead of maybe coming over to him later and saying to him, you know, maybe you don't realize, but it might be disturbing other people. Instead, we start criticizing. Why do you have your cell phone? on? And we have put on we put on our religious hat. What do you mean? Of course, I have to give musr. I have to give musr. That's sinas chinam. You just embarrassed a person in public. So is that worth it? That's sinas chinam. But, I mean, it's not really sinas chinam. I'm just trying to help. You can't have a cell phone in, in Davening. Of course you can't have a cell phone. But we're just embarrassed. We're just mamish, embarrassed. Someone. Right? Be very careful on a community level. Next level is the family level. Ladies who are listening to this, your mother-in-law you're talking to her, and you just you know you're reaching out to her instead of her reaching out to you. You're reaching out to her, and you want to be you want to have a good relationship with your mother-in-law. It's important for you. You know that your mother-in-law is close. To, it's close to your husband, and you're trying to have a good relationship. And she's just criticizing you. She's telling you. She's telling you. What is she telling you? She's saying to you that you don't dress the kids right. You don't feed the kids right, and maybe you should do this with the children and that with the children. And it's just making you crazy. It's making you crazy 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 so instead of being mavatar instead of whatever you 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 know you get upset at your husband you get upset at your husband because your mother-in-law is criticizing you what did your husband do he didn't do anything this is so you start lashing out at him i'm not saying that you do this on purpose obviously you want to vent but before you know it your husband is feeling like criticized he's where did it come from it came from it came from the mother-in-law or if your child just came back from camp, right? Some of us have our children in both halves. Some of us have our children just came back from camp. Your child just came back from camp. And everything was so calm. Everything was so silent and just peaceful in the home. Now he's back. You're happy he's back. You're happy she's back. And you come into the room and the room is flying all over over the place, he still didn't unpack his duffel bag, he still didn't unpack his suitcase, he, you know, his bed is not made, okay, fine, forget the bed, and the place, the socks on the floor, and you're like, you don't believe this, you just don't believe this, and instead of being down the kaufskos, instead of coming over to him and saying to him, you maybe don't realize it, mommy's getting very upset, etc." we come and we lash out at our children, I don't believe this, you know how good it was without you here? T- these types of things, we don't mean to say this, shalom, but these types of things are so, so, Hurtful for our children. There you have Sinat Chinam in our own family. In our own family. And then, of course, we have our spouses. (laughs) There, of course, we have our spouses, right? I called you a million times. Why aren't you picking up the phone? I call you again and again and again. Why don't you pick up the phone? Sinat Chinam. What do you mean, Sinat Chinam? I I called him. I, I know he has his phone on. I could tell by the ring. I could tell by the ring. Let's be down the kafskos. Maybe he wasn't around his phone. Maybe you're right, he was on the other line, but maybe he was on the other line doing something for you. Maybe men, men who are your, because this I really find more than men than by women who are complaining about this, but it happens both ways. Men who are calling your wives, right? Maybe she's on the phone with the day camp counselor who's telling her that your daughter has a really big problem socially in, in day camp and she's trying to work that out. Let's try to be down the kavshus. We're just attacking, 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 criticizing, attacking, attacking, attacking. That's sinat chinam in our own homes, in our own homes. So, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We want, you know, we want to bring back Mashiach. We we want to be the We want we want we want the Gula. We talk about the Gula. We constantly saying it. So, what do we do? The only way. To fight Sinat Chinam is through something called Havat Chinam. That's the only way to do it. If you have Sinat Chinam at one end and you want to collaborate Sinat Chinam, the only way to do it is Midakined Midah Havat Chinam. Havat Chinam, which means warrantless love. Warrantless positivity. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to be positive anyways because I know why you didn't pick up the phone. I know why you didn't pick up the phone. But you know what? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt anyways, even though I don't believe it. I, I seriously, emotionally don't believe it. If you ask me, I know exactly why you didn't pick up the phone. But I'm going to make believe. I'm going to make believe and I'm going to plug it plug into the world of Dan Likafzchut which means judging someone favorably, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, even though you don't deserve it, because you never pick up the phone, and I told you a million times that whenever I call you, at least you should pick up on the third ring, and you don't do it, but I'm going to let it go anyways. You know why? Because I'm going to plug into the world of Shalom, which we spoke about last week, and Shalom is really Shlemut. In order for me to become a whole person, in order for me to perfect myself, the only way to do it is to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to Hashem, to God. It's the only way. How do I connect? I act like Hashem. How do we act like Hashem? just like Hashem is Kael Rachum, V'chanun, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all merciful, and Akadosh Baruch Hu Hashem has so many ties on us, he, Hashem, can, if, HaShem would judge us in a Midat deen, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu would say, you know what, I'm going to give you everything you deserve, we are going to have a lot of problems. So instead we say, you know what, Hashem, I'm going to be like you. And even though my wife doesn't deserve it, I am going to give her the benefit of the doubt. And even though my husband doesn't deserve it, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not going to work on my autopilot. I'm not going to be like an animal. I'm going to be different. I am going to work I'm my on my free will. That's what I'm going to do. The same way the same way I make brachot the same way the way I dress the same way I wash my hands before I eat I am going to get used to this. I'm going to get used implementing in my system something called benefit of the doubt when it comes to my spouse. Listen to this amazing story. I know many of you heard this but it's an amazing story i got to share with you. The story is brought down by who? The story is brought down by none other than Rabsim Chazisel. Rabsim Chazisel records an incident. Listen to this amazing, amazing story. Rabsim Chazisel records an incident that happened in the times of who? The times of the Rambam. A group of wise men approached the Rambam and told him they could change the nature of a cat, training it to be as gracious and polite and as giving as a human being making the cat into a servile butler. The Raman listened to this and says, really interesting. Okay, I want to tell you something. Impossible. It's impossible to change the nature of a cat. As much as you think that animals and humans are the same thing and are both capable of everything, I am telling you, it is impossible to change the nature of the cat. So what happens? What happens is this group of wise men, they set about for, for weeks and weeks to train the cat. They spent a lot of time training this cat. They trained it to walk on its, on its hind legs. They dressed it up. And they, and they, 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 they pushed it in certain ways where it, they got the cat into a point that when people came into the room, the cat would escort them to their seats. In fact, the cat acted just like a butler. They further trained the cat to hold a little cup and to serve the people when they got to their seats. And after they did all this training of the cat, who did they invite? They invited none other than the Rambam. They wanted to show the Rambam their big, big accomplishments and to prove to the Rambam that it is possible to train an animal to be just like a human being. So what happens? The Rambam comes in. The cat greets the Rambam and the cat guides the Rambam to his seat. When the Rambam gets to his seat and, he, and the cat's about to come and to serve the Rambam, it's holding, let's say, uh, a platter of, of soup and it's about to serve the Rambam. What does the Rambam do? Rambam takes a small little box out of his pocket and in this little box was a little mouse. And he drops the mouse on the floor and guess what happens? The second that mouse was on the floor, the cat suddenly forgot that it was a butler and it quickly, quickly, quickly scampered after the mouse. The Rambam turns to the wise men and he says to them, a cat is a cat and will always be a cat. Rabbi Simcha when he brings down the story, when he brought down the story, he concludes as follows: He says, unless a human being learns to train himself, he can also be like a cat. There are times when we, c- we can be kind, we could be gracious, we could be cultured. But when our button gets pressed and we're no longer in control, we lose control and then we're just like the cat who's running after the mouse. I want to tell you something, Rabbi Friend. when he speaks about this, this is what he says. He says, he says a cat cannot become a mensch, but a mensch could have become a mensch. And I want to add one thing here. I actually talked to my wife about this, and she she actually added this piece, and she said, let's remember that a mensch could become a cat. That's true. The difference between us and the animals is one thing, just one piece, Bechirat Chofshit, free-willed. And the tool we use, the vehicle that we use, actually the vehicle that we use to employ Bechirat Chofshit is only in the world of Shalom. In the world of Shalom, I should say only. There are many other, not only, but I say one of the main thing is Shalom, which is Shlemut, which makes us a complete and whole person. And the biggest opportunity, I'm, I'm saying this, anybody's listening to me right now, I have no question about what I'm saying right now. Biggest opportunity for Shalom is in your home with your spouse. With your spouse, who what? With your spouse who's different than you? With your spouse who who thinks different than you, who analyzes different than you, who appreciates different than you, who's completely different than you. That's the way our Kodesh created men and women. Completely different. We completely don't understand each other. Hashem puts us together in the pressure cooker and says, and now I want you to create Shalom. That's what it's all about. That is the only thing that it's all about. Now, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something very important. And that's like this. It's very easy for me to sit here behind the desk and to talk about this and say, "Okay, be I know it's hard, and and just let things go and Khof and that's what bring uh, and that's bring Mashiach." First of all, first of all, I know it's very easy for me to say, and I know the challenges. I work with the couples. I'm married myself. It, it's incredible anybody, it's incredibly, incredibly challenging. But boy, is it rewarding. When it's done right, boy, is it rewarding. Because if we do it right, not only are we plugging into the world of Avat Chinam, not only is this warrantless love, not only are we bringing back Mashiach, seriously, seriously bring it back, to building the Beth to Mikdash Mala and bringing it down. We really are. Every time we, we plug into the world of Avat Chinam, we're doing that. Not only are we doing that, but you know what also it gives us? It gives us fulfillment in this world. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, when you're mevater and when you let go, you'll see. If and as, this, by the way, only as long as your spouse appreciates it. But when your spouse appreciates it and you let go, you're gonna feel this, this connection, this 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 connection between you and your spouse. True ava, which is the shor which is which means giving real love, not just not not infatuation, not okay, you know, I, I I I think she's this, I think he's that real, real, real love only comes from being mavatar, letting it go, and your spouse appreciating it. That, that's, like, that's like the ultimate, ultimate ahava, love. Why? Because we're plugging into the world. We're being like Hashem. So We're, we're feeling the spirituality. We're feeling the Kiddushah. That's why it's called Kiddushin. Rabbi Greenfield, how do I do this? Okay, great, but how do I do this? What do you want me to do? I speak about this a lot. And you know, I speak about being mavatar a lot. We talk about this being mevater a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to ask everybody, and I'm asking myself as well. We are entering now the end of the nine days. Today's Thursday, okay, today is Thursday, July 23rd, and we are like almost by Tisha B'Av. Theoretically speaking, Shabbos is Tisha B'Av. It really is. Shabbos is Tisha B'Av. Even though on Sunday is the date, it's a Nitzchah, but Shabbos is Tisha B'Av. We're entering the end of it. It's very, very hard. I know it's very hard, but let's be mevater. And this time, I know, I know I say there's always exceptions. Sometimes, sometimes, Don't be mevater. There are exceptions. I'm asking my audience, and I'm asking myself as well, this time, at least till the end of Tishabov, let's be mevater totally, completely mevater, completely. Meaning, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't let that go. I would come back to you and try to negotiate and this and that. Because I really, I, I'm allowed to negotiate. I'm going to call you Greenfield. What do you mean? It's going to happen again? Rabbi Greenfield always says, if it happens again, I'm allowed to negotiate. This time, let it go. This time, let it go. Or it was an atom bomb? You know, <clears throat> I, I can't get over it. He or she betrayed. They, they they belittled me. They said terrible things. I feel horrible. This time, let it go. Let it go. Let it go for Kadosh Let it go for Am Yisrael. Let it go for every, for all of us to build the base of English. Just let it go completely. Now I know I'm asking this. I know this is a tall order and this is very very hard. But listen to me. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. I, I, I'm not just going to leave you in a quirk and say, okay, beimavata. I'll tell you the steps. I'll just follow the steps. The steps are simple. To do it is extremely hard, extremely hard. But the steps are very simple. Very simple, very simple. First thing we have to understand is what's upsetting us. Just before you even get to how to be my vater. What's upsetting us? So I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you this is unquestionably. In 99.9 cases, you know what's upsetting me? What's upsetting me is that you don't care about me. I don't care, okay, fine, I could get the ice myself, I can open the window, close the window, I could turn on the air conditioner, not turn on the air conditioner, I could make my own supper, I could clean the socks off the floor, I could clean the hair from the sink, I can, uh, you know, if I need to go somewhere, I'll go myself, but I asked you, I asked you to come on time, I told you, tonight, you have to come on time, because then we have to go shopping for, for, for after the fest, and I told you, the store is closing, I want to go to the store, and you didn't come on time. Okay, you know what? I could have done it myself, but you know what bothers me honestly right now? It's not even the food. It's the fact that, like, you don't care. I, I ask you, I ask you, I ask you, but you don't care. And that's what gets to us. It's called attachment. We're not going to get into attachment theory right now, but I will tell you, it's all based on attachment, which is really you don't care. That's what's bothering us. What happened to us? Why am I so upset? Why am I so upset? Pirates. These are, you know, pirates are the acronyms that, that Baruch Hashem we came up with, a lot. Pirates. What's pirates? Number one, pet peeves. I ask you a million times. I ask you, don't drink directly from the bottle. Other people are using the bottle. You know, I understand that it's the summer and you're hot, but can you please not, not like take that Coke bottle and drink it like directly? Put it into a cup. It's bothering me. Some people, that don't care about that, but it's bothering me and I ask you again and again not to do it, but you know, it's so simple. Just do it. Just simply take a cup. What is so hard? What is, why do you have to stick your hand into the salad? Why don't you just take, take a serving spoon? Why don't you cover the, the sugar? Why don't you, after breakfast, just clean up after yourself? Why do I have to know exactly what you ate for breakfast? Why? Why? I, I'm asking, am I your maid? Like, you could clean up yourself. I clean up lunch. I clean up supper. Do I have to clean up for breakfast? You're a big boy. The pet peeves. Like, you just don't care. You don't care. The P, the I. What's the I? Insult. Did you have to contradict me? Of guests? Do you have to constantly argue with me? Everything I say to you, you say no. I say say white, you say blue. I say blue, you say white. I say, uh, you know, I I say Tisha this year is is not so chamer because it's a nitche. You say, actually, it is more chamer because it's pushed off. Whatever I say, you contradict me, and you do it in front of other people. It's very embarrassing for me, number one. Number two, it it makes me feel like I'm I'm a nothing. I really don't appreciate when you contradict me. This applies both to men and to women. And to women. These are insults our request I ask you and I ask you and I ask you what do I ask you I ask you to come on time and you're late I wanna leave to the country early not to be stuck in traffic I ask you to leave me money and you forget I try to call you, you don't pick up the phone. I ask you to pick up my suit from the cleaners, you don't pick it up. I ask you to go shopping and buy me baking powder, you get everything except for the baking powder. I ask you to leave me cold drinks in the fridge, you don't get it for me. I ask you not to touch the air conditioning, you don't, you don't listen. I, I, why don't you just listen? I ask, I, I, I ask you a million times, just, just please listen to me. A, attention. Remember, this is the pirates. Why don't you greet me? I don't understand. I come home, you can't greet me? You can't greet me. You can't say, hi, I'm so happy to see you. Is that so hard? I had such a hard day. Why are you ignoring me and paying attention to the kids? The man will say. Or the woman will say, I, I come home. I come home. And and, and this is really part of the expectation as well. I come home and I have all my, you know, I'm holding these shopping bags. Why don't you get up and help me? Like, I don't understand. I have to tell you to get up and help me? Like, hello? Like, like to your mother you would help, but not me. Attention. Torah. T. Why aren't you davening chakras anymore with a minion? Why aren't you davening mincha with a minion? How come I don't see you davening mirev at all? How come, like, you know, it used to be tzenua, but now you're not tzenua anymore. Now your skirt just gets up to the knee, right? Just around there. So when you sit down, when you sit down, you're not tsunuah. Why are you doing that for? Why? I don't understand. It's not tsunuah. How can you do it? These are all Torah issues. Torah, Torah issues, right? And I want to stop a second talking about Torah issues. This is a, this is a biggie here. A lot of us feel... That Azer Kinegdo means that I have to give most to my spouse. If I see my, that my husband is not davening with a minion, I have to say, "Why don't you, you daven with a minion?" If I see that my wife is not being sinu, I have to say, well, why don't you being sinu?" If I see that uh, my wife is saying Lashon Hara, why are you saying Lashon Hara? If I see that my husband is not learning Torah, I say, "Why don't you go to Shira?" I, I think you should have to go to Shira. I, I just mean it for your good. I don't stand. I mean it for your good. Of course, we mean it for the good. Of course, we mean it for the good. It won't be taken for the good. It will not be taken for the good. Let me make this clear to everybody. It will not be taken for the good. You give musa to your spouse, it will not be taken for the good. Unless, unless you are so trained and so connected and you've rehearsed it in the past and maybe you tried in a back, back, backward type of way, sort of hinting maybe, 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 maybe then it will work. It is not your place to muster your husband. It is not your place to muster your wife. It's not your place. His Rebbe could do it. Her Rebetzin could do it. Maybe somebody else could get involved. You know what you could do? When they do go to Minyan <clears throat> or when she does wear what you feel is sinua, you can put him on the pedestal and make them feel like, wow, you know what? I, I feel that. I'm really happy today you went to Minion. That makes me really happy. You know what? I, I just said, I'm not saying like I'm rewarding you here, but you know, I made a really nice breakfast here for you. I, I always make breakfast, but for today I felt like so much like, wow, I feel so connected that we're, you went to minion. You know, it makes me really happy. And even that's dangerous, by the way. Even that's dangerous. I'm telling you, stay away from Musr in your relationship. Stay away. I'm not saying that, not to figure out ways how to help your spouse, but not by Musr. Speak to your love. Speak to your Rebitzin, speak to whoever Speak to whoever inspires you, F- speak to someone you should have. You should have a Rav, you should have a Rebitzin, you, you, you should have someone you could go to and figure it out together what we can do. Maybe the Rebitzin could speak to her, maybe the Rav could speak to her, maybe you could give them opportunities. Maybe, you, like, let's say you have a child who doesn't go to me in the morning, right? So when you say to him, you know what? I, you don't talk to him about a minion anymore. Just say to him, you know what? I was thinking maybe we, me and you could learn together before the evening. Maybe he'll go learn with you because he wants to connect with his father. It's very possible. But not to give that musr and not to be tough about it either. It's, I know this is a very delicate point and a lot of you are seeing your spouses like maybe Chach Shalom dwindling. I have a whole class on how to do it, but not through musr, not through musr, not through musr. You don't think so? You don't agree with me? Listen to this story. Listen to this, 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 this remarkable story. Rabbi Yeshua David Hartman. By the way, this story I'm taking from from a, a news. Uh, Parsha page that's given out uh, through email every week through uh, really a good friend of mine actually his name is Mendel Berlin and he and he writes these phenomenal phenomenal Parsha pages if you want to subscribe to it you can just you know email him at Mendel Berlin Mendel Berlin at gmail.com that's Mendel Berlin at gmail.com and he has these phenomenal, phenomenal Parsha pages and it has like it has these little caricatures it's it's interesting it's very contemporary meaning it's very it's very shayach to today's world, as opposed to something that you know you dwell and inspire. It's also dwelling and inspiring, but it's also connected today to today's world. Isn't to this story? He writes, Rabbi Yeshua David Hartman, author of many Torah books, including a monumental work in the Maharal, remembers the day like it was yesterday. He was a kid in the London yeshiva, and he did something in the classroom against his rebbe's rules. The rebbe walked over to the young Yeshua and promptly gave him a smack. This was, by the way, when smacking was unfortunately an accepted practice. Yeshua was petrified. He came home crying to his father, whose name was Rabbi Cheskel Hartman. After explaining his son that he should behave better, the father added that the next day he'd like to take his son to school and to speak to the Rebbe as well. The next day, Yeshua's father followed up on his plan and got an audience with the Rebbe, asking his impressionable son to wait outside. Now naturally, Yeshua found a way to sneak in and to hide behind the desk to eavesdrop on the conversation. What does the father do? The father inquires as to what happened. And first, of all, first he thanked the Rebbe for having rules to keep the boys in check, and he told him that his son, his son feels really bad, and his son, his son will improve. So, as the Rebbe prepares to usher the father out, Rabbi, Hart, Rabbi Hartman stops him, stops the Rebbe in his tracks, and listen to what he says to him. He says to him, "I have a burning question that's bothering me." and I want to ask you. He says, yes. I'm sorry to ask you, but I have to ask you. How many times did you kiss my son? The Rebbe looks at him, what do you mean kiss your son? What do you mean? I I don't understand. And Rabbi Hartman realized what type of Rebbe this is. He's not a defectionate type. He says to him, how many times did you kiss my son? And and the Rebbe looks at him and says to him, what do you mean? He says, I just want to tell you one thing. And I don't mean this chash in a bad way. I'll tell you one thing. I kiss my son a hundred times before I criticize him, he says to him. So I ask you again, Rebbe, before you smack my son, think to yourself, how many times did you kiss my son? And I just want to tell you, as touching as this story is, to truly appreciate it, we need to ascertain to ourselves, what's our kiss-to-criticism ratio in our house? In our homes with our children, you know, I was listening to Rabbi Razulah yesterday, phenomenal phenomenal What's the atmosphere? What's the atmosphere? What's the background music? Is it constant criticizing? Criticizing does not mean, why you do this? I can't believe you. Criticizing is just orders. Uh, Pick that up. Can you please go here? What time are you going to Minion? Any conversation we have with our children that does not relate to love and affection and validation is criticism. I'm very serious about this, ladies and gentlemen. Any conversation, our children need love. They need affection and most of all, they need validation, especially the boys. If we're not giving them, it is criticism. It's just, do here, do this, why do that with that? Let's change the ratio around. Let's change to change the ratio. Let's get into the world of, of not, sinat, this is sinat Chinam, but avat Chinam, ahavat Chinam, Let's kiss our children. It doesn't have to be actual kissing. It could be just that compliment, that validation. I'm so proud of you. You know, I saw you going to davening this morning. I was so proud of you this morning that you went to davening. So, 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 so important. How do I know it's so important? Not just this story. Not just this story. Take a look at this week's parsha. Parsha Tivarim. It's an amazing, amazing. I love this. This Again, this is written by Mendel Berlin. If you want to subscribe to his Parsha page that he sends an email, you could, you know, you could... You could uh, Email him at MendelBerlin at gmail.com. That's M-E-N-D-E-L-B-R-L-I-N. He does this just like for Chesed and Torah for the community. But he writes tremendous, tremendous things. Listen to this. In this week's Parshish Devar, it says, it contains reproof of Moshe Rabbeinu to the Jewish people. Right? That, what, what basically is going on? That Moshe Rabbeinu is giving Musa to the Yidden. This is what we're talking about. Musa. what do you mean, Rabbi Greenfield? Moshe Rabbeinu gives Musa. Why can't I give Musa to my wife? Why can't I give Musa to my husband? What do you mean? I don't want to give Musa. But what does it say in Devarim? Perakal of Pasigdal. What does it say? It says, and in translator it says, what he writes. After Moshe had smitten Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Cheshbon, and Og, king of the Bashan. When did Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, when did he give Musar to the Bnei Israel? It only happened after he smilled, after he killed Sihon, Sihon the Amorite, who dwelt in Cheshbon, and Og, Melech Abashan. Why does it tell us that? So this is actually a question that's asked by Rabbi Moshe uh, Bogomilski. He asks like this. Why did Moshe wait, wait to, to give Musar only after he conquered and Og? So he quotes the Matamim's understanding, which gives us unbelievable insight into Rabbi Hartman's approach and how criticism should be offered. It is human nature to balk at rebuke. We usually get defensive when we are attacked regarding our behavior. Therefore, if somebody who's giving musr wants his words to be accepted, he should not only give them musr, but he should do positive actions to benefit the person who he cares about, And this, of course, is in addition to the obvious, speak kindly, softly, give as many hints as possible in a fashion that doesn't embarrass anybody publicly, but once the potential rebuker becomes recognized as a good friend, then his words of Mercer will be accepted. Once I know that you really care about me, now I'm going to listen to you. This is, by the way, not true in a spousal relationship in a marriage because we're constantly walking the tightrope with our spouse. There's an issue of attachment vulnerability. I'm talking about a situation of our friend, our Rebbe, someone who cares about us, someone who loves us, and this is what Moshe Rabbeinu did. You know what happened? You know why Moshe Rabbeinu waited until after he killed Aygmelech to give muster to the Yedin? Why? He did that because after, it's only through that that he finally, even though he didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu loves them, but it was after Aigmalachabashan's conquer. Aigmalachabashan was a giant. The Gemara tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu was ten amas tall. That's about fifteen feet tall. And when he was fighting Aigmalachabashan, he took his spear, which his spear was ten amas in length, and he jumped another ten amas, and finally he stabbed Aigmalachabashan in the ankle, in the ankle. Meaning that Aig Melchabushin's ankles were thirty amas, about forty feet, forty-five feet tall. Could you imagine? Could you imagine standing there together and watching Myshra Abenu, who's putting his life at risk for the sake of Bnei Israel? Aig could have just stepped on him, stepped on him, as tall as Myshra was. But Meishu Rabbeinu had the emuna and b'tachin in Hakadosh Baruch and he had the love for the Bnei Israel. And after the Bnei Yisrael saw his love of risking his life, and then eventually they killed. All right? After after that, after the what? They conquered him. That the Bnei Yisrael saw that. Then they were like, "Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to accept anything you tell us right now because we know that you love us so much. You know, we love us so much. So what do you mean, Yisro? You feel me? My wife knows that I love me. That I love her. My husband knows that he loves me. Really. So how come every day you're fighting? no no we're fighting about something else no you're fighting about that because I'm telling you you're walking a tightrope in your relationship it's attachment Shalom is constantly being worked on in your relationship I'm not talking about your friends your friends is a different story your Rebbe is a different story your Rebbe is a different story your Madricha Rebbe is, is a different story because then you know she loves me he loves me but a spousal attachment is constantly work, constantly analyzes he love me Does she not love me you don't care about me you do care about me how come you didn't do it care, care, and care, and care it's not our place to give the muster. So what we're saying here is that what we're saying here is that two things. First of all, this is very, very true in our homes with our children. So give them so much love and attention and validation, and then we can give them the criticism. And even when we do that, we have to be very careful. But when it comes to spouse, husband and wife, gotta be very, very, very careful. So okay, Rabbi Greenfield, so we went through the pirates, right? That we said with Torah. And the final one was expectations. Another thing that really bothers us in our relationship. What do you mean the meal wasn't ready on time? I don't understand because I, I was working all day. I don't understand. On Shabbat, why isn't you? Right? It's the end of a fast. You didn't make me something. I don't understand. It's the end of the fast. End of the fast. How come you didn't make the family like last year? You made us fish and it was delicious. Now you want us to make scrambled eggs? I don't get it. Why do you want me to make scrambled eggs? Right? Maybe we should think about our spouse. Well, maybe she had a very hard day and she wasn't able to cook the fish that she did. Maybe you, if you would have watched it, you would have seen that She's in bed all day with headaches. But we don't think about that. Not that We're bad. But our autopilot is working. The cat and the mouse, right? It's, that's what's happening in our mind. That's what's happening in our minds. And not just, again, I don't want to get into the men's case over here. There's women also. See, the garbage wasn't taken out, right? Or you see that the house is flying. Or he left breakfast on the table again, right? So we have expectations of our spouse. So what do we, Oh, why don't you take care of the health insurance or the parking ticket? Why do you leave me an empty tank of gas? So what are we saying? I'm telling you how to do it, ladies and gentlemen. I know Tishabav Tisha B'av is about is around the corner. And I also want to tell you, do you think it's a mistake that we have to fast on Tisha B'av? Do you think it's a mistake that we cannot take a shower, that we cannot bathe ourselves, that we cannot wear leather shoes? Do you think it's a mistake? Do you think the fact that we're making it difficult on us is a mistake? Sure, it gets us into the mode of Tisha B'av, But you know what it also makes us? It makes us agitated, irritated. Our tolerance level goes down. And it gives us an opportunity to be a Shalem. It gives us an opportunity to perfect ourselves. Yeah, Tisha Buf, Sunday. Sunday. And by the way, this is true also now. I have many men who I spoke to the other day. I'm grateful. It's very hard for me. I haven't eaten meat or chicken. I, for me, meat or chicken is very hard. I feel like, I, I feel very, very low-tolerant. I, I get upset. I, I feel anxiety. Yeah, it's very, very hard. It's not a mistake that we're not eating chicken or meat or whatever it is now. It's not a mistake. It's pre-planned. It gives us an opportunity to become a Shalohim. You see the beauty of Tisha Tisha B'Av? in a certain way is more powerful than Yom Kippur. I'll tell you why. Bear with me. I'll tell you why. Because Tishabav, we're not a shul the whole day. We're still at home. We still come back home with our spouse, with our children, and they're going to get us agitated. I'm telling you, they're going to get us agitated. They're going to, well, they definitely will. The children are, the the, the husband is, the wife is. Are we going to let go? What is letting go, by the way? Letting go means, let me just define this for you a second, so what letting go means. Letting go means I'm right and you're wrong, but I'm letting you go anyways. And I have to say that again. I'm 100% right. What you did to me was not nice. You insulted me. I asked you to do this for me. You didn't come on time. I asked you to leave me money. You don't leave me money. You don't care about me. I'm right. I know I'm right. I know you're wrong, but I'm letting it go. Very, very hard. But when we do that, we are building the base of Mikdash. We're literally putting the stones on. We're putting the stones on by what? By Barbara Greenfield, How am I supposed to do it? Let me tell you how you do it. Number one, I, I can't tell you how important it is. Number one, use your most important piece of ammunition, which is time. Time is your best, best, best friend. There's nothing as valuable as time in your marriage and in your, any relationship. Give yourself time, I guarantee you. If you don't wait, if you don't give yourself that hour, if you don't give yourself at least 15, 20 minutes, something, I'm telling you, you are going to explode. You're going to let loose. You haven't eaten. It's Tisha B'Av. You're, you're, you're home. The kids the kids are being too loud. You're trying to sleep. Or the children are, are you know, they, they keep on coming to you and fetching to you. They want more food and more food and more food and you're losing it. You can't eat and you, they want you to make food. Give yourself time before you react. Give yourself time. Don't get upset don't lash out if you feel insulted by your husband. If you feel insulted by your wife. If you, uh, if you, uh, your husband's doing his pet peeves, the pet peeves of you, and your wife is doing pet peeves. They're not being organized. They're procrastinating. They're not taking care of things the right way, and it's making you absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. Someone called me the other day. It says, "Oh, Rob Greenfield, listen to your shows. I'm gonna tell you, I have a great marriage." I said, I know you have great marriage, but I'll tell you one thing. You probably work really hard on your marriage. I do not know where I said, I'm listening to you and I believe you, but you probably work very, very hard on your marriage. And you know what? You are bringing the Shechina into your house. You're becoming a Shalem together. A Shalem is together with you and your husband. Why? Because you're fighting that Yetzehara. You're using Bechirat Chofshit. You're plugging into the world of Ahavat Chinam. That's what the nine days are all about. Unquestionably so. Obviously, we have to be sad. We have to connect to the destruction. But after we feel all that, we feel the tsar and the akmat nefesh. That's when we connect to the world of fixing it through avatrinam, through through complete complete unwarranted love unwarranted giving. So I'm telling you, your best friend in the beginning is give yourself time because your body, your 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 hormones, your chemicals, you're not ready for it. Your blood pressure is going up. You get upset, agitated. If you would if you would record how fast you breathe, if you would record how fast your heart is beating, if you would record how your blood pressure, you'll see it's it's flying. It's flying. You just lost it. Give yourself time. And if your husband is lashing out at you, or if your wife is lashing out at you, say to them, please not now. Let's wait till after the fast. Let's wait till later. Let's wait a couple hours. Let's wait. Let's not do this right now. Please. Let's give ourselves some times. By the way, ladies, if you know you're going to have issues with your children on Tisha B'Av because they're going to keep on asking you for food or whatever, it's a little tip actually for my wife who was moving this morning. She's telling me, tell the ladies, and I think this is very true, tell ladies, prepare yourself, organize yourself, make yourself a menu with the kids. Tell them Sit with the children. And say, children, it's Tish I know that you're not fasting. Tatia and Mami are going to be fasting. Shlomi is going to be fasting. We're fasting in commemoration of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. When we're fasting. It's like we're we're in a certain way. We're like a sacrifice. We're like a shnikel carbon by fasting, and we're and we're connecting to the tzar and da'as nefesh. Tati Mami are not going to be able to help you as much. Here's the menu. Do you want to buy pizza or do you want to buy this? I'm going to the store today. What do you want to do? Here are some activities. Here are some things that you could do. Let's create a schedule for the day. This way, you won't be aggravated on Tisha B'Av. Let's prepare ourselves. If we prepare an air Shabbat. We're going to have a beautiful Shabbat. Let's prepare ourselves. But again, that first thing is what? When you feel the heat, give yourself time. That's how you're Mavater. Give yourself time because you're really not able to be Mavater. And it's really not your spouse's fault. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, you think that your wife is really out to get you? Do you really think your wife is out to get you? You think she hates your guts? All right, but beautifully, you don't have my wife. I'm telling you, she's not out to get you. She's not out to get you and you know when you're calm and you're peaceful and you feel connected, you know she's not out to get you. You think your husband's out to get you? You think he's not answering the phone because he doesn't care about you? You think he didn't take out the garbage because he just doesn't care about you? You think he didn't leave you money because you're not so important to him? You're not the number one on his list? Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you do feel that way and you shouldn't feel that way and he should work on himself but I'm telling you the truth now. The truth of the matter is that you are number one for him. There's no question about it. He wants to make you happy. I have not met a man maybe few exceptions with maybe some cases of mental illness, etc., that don't want to make their wife happy. They just gave up. They just gave up. So let's not pounce on them. Let's give ourselves time. I'm telling you, after that hour, I say an hour, after an hour, you'll see you'll be able to let it go. Just let it go this time, please. I know I'm the one who says sometimes you can't let go, not always be Mavata. There are two exceptions. Not now. Not in this time period. Till after Tisha B'Av, just let it go. Be my I say, Hashem, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for the base of HaMikdash. I'm doing this for fa- Ahav ha- fa- Shalom. That's why I'm doing this. After you give yourself time, an hour, take off your hats. If you're hungry, angry, tired, or stressed, I always speak about this, take off your hats. Obviously, Tisha B'Av, you can't eat. You can't drink. But maybe go to sleep. <laughs> maybe go to sleep. You're tired, you have a headache. You're a you're hard faster. It's very hard for you to fast. Right? But give yourself an opportunity. Take off the hats. A, B, C, D, allow yourself one hour. Breathe deeply. Calm yourself down by doing something else. Digest what's really bothering you and try to let it go. Try to let it go. Men, especially for you. Very important. Men, can you please do me a favor? Can you not criticize your wife if you haven't connected to her yet? Seriously, don't come home and just criticize. I know it's hard. I know you're upset. But you haven't even connected to your wife. You haven't even spoken to her about nothing. There's no connection. She's, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. But this time, let's just let it, let it go. Let's let it go. And of course, most important, let's appreciate. Let's appreciate. Let's appreciate what we have today. At the end of the day, Gives us, we, live, we live in a free country. We could practice everything. We don't have the destruction of those days. We have other destructions. There's a lot of Agma Nefesh going on, but let's appreciate what we have. Let's do 100 a day if we can. You could text j now, right? J-Root.com. Nine one, oh, boy, I don't see the oh, they're painting over here. But you could text j You could text j that what? That you want that booklet for $5. You could text JRoot that you want the booklet of the appreciation. It's a beautiful booklet of, of appreciation. And let me, finish, let me finish off by this. And that is like this. At the end of the day there's a beautiful story that what happened was Napoleon was walking through the streets of Paris one Tishabov and as his entourage passed in, in a shul he heard wailing and crying coming from the base from from a shul he sent someone go see what happened over there the, person came back and said to Napoleon, The Jewish people are mourning over the loss in the Beis HaMikdash. Beis HaMikdash? What happened to the Beis HaMikdash, he says. It was destroyed. It was destroyed? When was it destroyed? He tells me, it was destroyed 1,700 years ago. So you know what Napoleon says? And this is a Gemara and Tainis. Napoleon says like this. He says, A people which have mourned the loss of their temple for so long will survive to see it rebuilt. And in Mirz Hashem, before we know it, through Ahavas Chinam. These nine days in Tishabav, we are going to be Zocha to the Binyas Space of Thank you for listening to Rabbi Greenfield. Have an inspiring and amazing, when I say amazing, I mean plug into the world of Ahavas Chinam and build the Base of Mikdash. This Tishabav will be Zocha after Tishabav to be back on J-Root, but in Yerushalayim. Have a great week.